Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is how to be an effective analytics leader. So you talk about analytics, it is getting into every aspect of business that we are doing today, the data-driven approach we are taking in work and in decision-making. Analytics leadership is becoming very important and critical for an organization's growth. So what are you doing as an analytics leader to make sure that you have commitments from the management and the users about all the different approaches you take about the data and information management How do you prevent missing simple yet very critical patterns which may otherwise will get unnoticed because you're working on cognitive overload or overcomplicating any of the analytics exercises you may be doing? How are you going about creating a collaborative and uh, interesting and exciting environment that offers your team as well as the people who are users of your analytics or the people who provide you input, some sort of a psychological safety so that they can speak up without hesitation, tell you what they like and not like, and what are some of the unique ideas and information which would help you do your job and also bring analytics which will help the business. Well, to discuss that, we have Christopher Hutchins, Vice President and Chief Data and Analytics Officer with Northwell Health. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm great. Thanks. I'm glad to be here and in chat with you today. It's a great, great conversation to have. Absolutely. It cannot be more timely, right? So we are living in the very thick of this. So as I said, it's exciting, right? Analytics is exciting. But do you think just uh, something which is exciting will get the people all charged up? What vision would you say we would need beyond just doubting that, hey, we are doing something cool? that will help a leader shape what these people are going to do. And maybe that would become the reason why they will make you the Pied Piper and follow you. That's a, that's a great one to start with. Um, I think we're, we're definitely seeing an evolution in the, in almost every industry where data and analytics are really coming to the forefront. Um, in, in, in my experience in recent years, uh, some of the technology that's, that's become available to us, has made a lot of uh, lot of traditional uh, approaches to doing visualization uh, a bit obsolete and much more cost effective. So um, it's pretty easy to, to make a great data visualization that, that grabs attention, and, and that's one of the, the, the challenges uh, that analytics leaders have to have to really be skilled at, at navigating, um, because the intent is not to. Uh, essentially assert that what you're seeing is it's all it's fluff and there's nothing behind it or it's just just about the technology is to help understand help to educate people as to what it really takes to deliver meaningful insights from from the data Um, some of the visualization tools have unbelievable power so it it makes almost any information look really really sharp it's you know again it draws a lot of attention but but the real work is what goes on behind the scenes and the, the unbelievable number of verticals that exist in probably any organization that, that you can imagine, no matter the industry. Um, so that the, 
the trick is really trying to engage in a way that you're you're, you're gathering information about what the important uh, priorities are within each part of the, your organization, where there's influential leaders uh, that really have to help you to champion uh, the the cause to drive to a, or a data data driven decision making process. Um, but really what you have to be able to, to deliver is something that, that, that meets their needs, first of all. And, you know, I, I found that the, the probably the most critical thing that I can do is I talk to a lot of people and I listen to a lot of people and really try to, to understand what the business needs are and then try to align the services that, that I have available to me within my group um, to start partnering with, with those, um, those different business units to start making progress and, you know, becoming a, an, a, an enabler for them, as opposed to trying to centralize things and assume that I can, I can accomplish the same core competencies in a central team that they've spent entire careers to develop within their own uh, specialty areas. So, uh, Chris, yes, you would do things which the business wants. And yes, there will be some sort of uh, need that the business will say, this is what I want you to do. That's why you make your million bucks, right? Right. Now, that's the management telling you what to deliver, and that's your responsibility. But mm-hmm. that doesn't automatically translate right. uh, to a, a team that's going on ho and saying, yes, bring it on. That's true. So I think the the first thing, I'll kind of give you the example of, of you know, when you start going into a new organization and stepping into a, that, that organization, the leadership role, um, oftentimes I, I expect most people who have been through a transition like this had an area of, of responsibility in a previous experience in one, one particular vertical or another. Um, but coming into an organization as an analytics leader, you don't have accountability for that space that you might very well be the best expert in. Um, so the trick out of the gate is to start, you know, getting an understanding of who the, the leadership is in the organization and start having conversations with them and really start to dig into what are the gaps? Where, where are the areas that you're, you're needing to make progress that, that, that you're struggling? There's obstacles or it might be access to data. It could be that, um, you know, the the data assets are, are, are locked down. They could be managed externally. I mean, there's so many different factors, but it, it takes time and patience and, and some really some, some discipline to go and establish those, those relationships with the various leadership uh, members in the organization. Because ultimately, if you can't get, you know, understand what all of their, their objectives are and understand how that fits into the organizational strategy, um, you're you're going to be more of a nuisance to them than you are a help because they're charged with making progress in each of those areas, and so and I can't be the the answer to everything, and, and, and I can't try to do that. But how I did, did that in my organization is I just literally you know made a, an exhaustive list uh, for a meet and greet world tour, <laughs> if you will, and started scheduling time with them, and, and you know, really built. A, uh, a comprehensive uh, summary of each of their purviews and what, what were the priorities and, and what strategies were they you know, connected to in the larger uh, organizational effort to, to make progress in. And when you go about that, the, 
the amazing thing that starts to, to come into focus as you do it, and you're putting the, putting the things together to summarize it for an executive, you see a lot of overlap in the areas where these folks are trying to make progress and where there's bottlenecks or there's an inability to move forward. Um, again, number of factors that could be the reason for that, but it, it really helps to get that big picture so that you can bring it back to them. And, 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 and you're, you're essentially providing that feedback loop and acknowledging um, that you get it. And usually that's one of the, the first steps to uh, having a successful engagement with any one of these groups is they have to start to, un- to see that you understand the business need and you're able to articulate it and you're able to connect it to organizational strategy. Now, um, so that that's about the vision and now you talked about strategy. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Um, you create a vision, your people start following you, mm-hmm. but then if strategy is not right, then um, the vision may not be realized. And with so many moving parts, with so many new flavors of where the data can come from, where it can go, how do you process it, what all you can combine, we are learning everything every day, like new things every day. Absolutely. So do you think you could have a strategy, put it in a neat looking binder Mm -hmm. and run with it and think that's the strategy you will continue to follow for the year? Because for you to take thing, anything forward and get some semblance of some good outcome, you need to stick to that one strategy. But the strategy, the tenets of that strategy or what it, the environment or the factors that that strategy should depend on, even those are changing fundamentally on a relatively a rapid pace. You're absolutely right about that. And I think it's, it's a, they're, they're, I guess that is one approach and, and that you can make a strategy for the year and just plow plow through it and, and hope that you you hit your your milestones and in a perfect world and a lot of luck maybe that'll work out um, but what I find is that there is a need to constantly recalibrate um, reassess you know where things are working where they're not working and the reality is there's always things that are going well and there's always things that are not and so you really have to be attuned to that. Uh, one of the ways that I do that with my team is I have a, a daily checkpoint with my my two uh, executive leaders that work with me, and we talk about these things and we adjust. Um, you know, my team understands that uh, we we're, we're going to learn and iterate through this process, and we're going to get better at what we do. Um, but it's going to come by really being flexible and understanding that this is always going to be an, an iterative learning process. A uh, recent example in my team is we started to have some retirements occur um, as a result of, you know, the, the, the pandemic and people, you know, having a sense that it's time to, you know, prioritize, you know, family and grandchildren and things of that nature. And then they're able to do it. So they do it. But what it exposed on our team is a, 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 an issue where we had some a lack of depth in our bench. Uh, what I mean by that is we've been organized by some traditional types of roles like data architecture, ETL developers, uh, report writers, data visualization people, um, uh, informaticists. So w- what we've done is we've pivoted to a model that we piloted in two different cases where we aligned different team members to a service line within the business. And what that meant is that they're not accountable for just that technical experience that they bring to the table. They're accountable 
to support that service line and that part of the business, which means they have to establish relationships with the business. And they have to develop a, a deepening understanding of the business, how it operates and what it needs and how their success is measured. And we're seeing tremendous results with that in the first couple of um, examples that we did it. And it's been very popular in the business. And now we've been pivoted and we've been realigning our entire team structure that way. So they no longer think of themselves only as a technician or a technologist, but they're becoming a, a real asset to the business and they're, they're partnering with the business. Um, but that's not the first transition that we've gone through as an organization in the last five years. There's been a couple of different times that we've recognized that in order to be more effective and, and accelerate the pace that we can deliver, we have to be willing to change and reevaluate and take feedback from our teams, take feedback from our leadership teams and be willing to admit that something's not working and make the make an adjustment. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about, so, so to whatever degree we build a strategy. Yes, you started with the vision, you build the strategy. But then all of that also requires some buy-in and commitments from the management and the users about all the different data and information approaches you plan to use. How do you make sure you get that commitment, number one? Number two, how do you keep these stakeholders keep that commitment throughout the journey? Because you cannot have your sponsors backing out or reducing their support. That uncertainty can very well kill your analytics projects. How do you make that happen? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and discuss. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, you want your management and the users to stay committed. So, Chris, first of all, how easy was it or how difficult and complex was it to, for you to make that happen when you're trying to, you know, move the whole, this analytics ship forward? And what are you doing on a daily basis or on whatever period or approach that you're using to keep them committed? That's a, that's a really great, great question as well. I think that's one of the, probably the most challenging aspects of, of being an analytics leader. Um, when you consider the purviews of the, the leadership team that you're working for and you're, you're trying to support, it, it's really good to take a, a step back and understand that you're, you're providing support to a component of somebody's larger area of oversight and, and accountability. And, you know, to get to where you are as a leader, it took years of dedication and training and a lot of hands-on and, you know, iterative learning uh, to develop the skill sets and competencies that you have. 
Um, that's true for the people that you're working for, but more importantly, when you're in, in a large organization or in an organization where you, you're reporting to an executive team, their purviews are really, really large. And, you know, one of the things that's helped me to understand that in, in how I approach things is just understanding even in my own organization uh, within the, the company, um, I've got people doing work um, under my oversight that have skill sets that are far broader and far deeper than mine. And they've, they've specialized for their entire professional careers. And it's not even reasonable for me to think that I can master that in a couple of conversations, or can I do it justice to even explain some of the times that, that I'm asked to, to answer for what we do. And so with that kind of backdrop, that helped me to, under, to really think differently that I have to understand who I'm talking to understand, you know, that, I think and communicate in terms and in ways that are entirely based on my own experience and my area of expertise and where I spend the most time. And so really polishing your skills and figuring out that the right level of messaging is is one of the most challenging aspects, but it's also the most uh, effective once you understand that you have to do that and you spend the time to do it. Um, earlier today, I was working on some some presentation materials um, that our executive team needs, and they're wanting that because they're going to make a presentation to the board. And so, you know, I had to really, really uh, rack my brain and think through how to visually represent the complex work that we do in a way that they get it, but they don't have to go get a PhD to understand it, <laughs> and they don't need to, to read uh, read my short novel. And that, that's really one of the bigger challenges. So mastering that communication piece of it is, is probably more of an important part of the role than, than, I, than I really understood uh, when I first started out you know, several years ago. But every time I move into a new area um, within the organization or even across organizations, there's that recognition that I need to spend time to understand who these individuals are, do my homework on that, understand what their purview is, and that my piece of it is a very small sliver compared to their their overall responsibility. And so it's my job to figure out a concise way to package the information that they can consume it, buy into it, advocate for it, and bring the the level of support that it takes to get uh, budget approvals for projects. Um, Not an easy task, but it takes a continuous effort. And, you know, I've got multiple versions of the same kind of uh, information that's geared towards different audiences, uh, specifically because I need to be able to make sure that I, I can get the, the information to them in a way they can easily consume it. And they, it translates for them to be able to then speak to it as well. So whatever formula that you created, has that worked? Now, I mean, of course, there must be some bruises along the way. But uh, now that you've built your formula, is it working consistently or are there still some nuances or some struggles that you feel you have to keep dealing with? Um, it, it is working well. Um, not to say that I've, I've perfected it. Um, I've learned a handful of our executives um, in terms of what they're, how they need information, but I'm still learning some, some others. So it's, it's, it's going to be an ongoing process and it probably is in most organizations for as long as you work there. Um, so it's good to have a, a realistic expectation that you're, you're going to be in a, a cycle 
um, that, that really keeps you working in that space. But where it, where it has led to for, for me now in our organization is that uh, we have set up an organizational governance framework for analytics. And it's not st- my staff that's calling the shots. Um, I have representation on these different groups, um, but it's only to bring information to facilitate conversations and engage them to help them to understand what they need to, to, to help set priorities for, for us at the enterprise level so that it's not me coming up with ideas and what my team works on. It's using this engine that now is, has been engaged where it, from the top down. We have uh, business leaders and executives that have taken accountability to manage these functions. Um, in, in our instance, we have an executive oversight team, uh, the chief operating officer and the chief medical officer co-chair that group. And it, it includes members of the C-suite um, from human resources, finance, uh, clinical care areas, um, finance and administration um, functions, supply chain. Uh, but these are the people who make decisions in all of those areas. And you know, they're the ones that provide the, the general direction and guidance for you know, what we're going to tackle as an enterprise, what we prioritize. Below that, there's a steering committee that's made up of uh, a whole, whole other set of leaders that all, all have responsibility for one aspect or more of the business operation. And that group also then charters uh, working groups based on areas of discipline within the organization. In our, in our case, we have finance operations, ambulatory operations, clinical standards, revenue cycle. And those working groups, they are accountable to assess you know, projects that are, that are to be considered, technologies that are to be considered, and they make recommendations to the steering committee that actually leads to a decision-making process around what are the priorities that the enterprise team is going to engage on and how are we going to know that we're being successful? How, how do we measure it? And the business owners are the ones who are really being held accountable to deliver the results. And so there's a partnership really involved there between me and my teams in each of those groups to really get, get the right level of information uh, out there that enables the assessment of what the, what the real value opportunity could possibly be. And it's educated based on data and results and engagement with the business experts um, very, very actively. And it's not you know, it's being delivered from the IT person or the analytics person. It's we collectively are bringing this information to the forefront to help the organization to make advancements. See, while the connection might not look obvious, but there must be some link between organizational culture and be able to drive real value from analytics. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point. Um, where we've gotten to in the, in the last several months is not where we were five years ago when I got here. And back to the, the, the other point about having to be patient and, and working through the process. It takes time to, to establish um, anything is being valuable enough to, to make significant changes in culture or approach uh, at the organizational level. And so the focus that, that I and my team really have, have had is, again, back to that enablement point, is 
we need to always look at, you know, how we can enable our, our colleagues to be successful in their areas that, where they're, they're charged to, to, to bring the organization forward and to manage it. Um, and that, that's really the, the key. Um, what ends up happening over time is the, the view of you and your, your part of the organization as a resource or as the go-to group um, that materializes with that kind of approach. But it's, it's always, you know, looking to be, be a partner and help, help people to advance, help them to solve problems. It's, you know, it's, it's very similar to what it means to be a CIO. The CIO doesn't run the business, but the CIO enables a whole lot of different functions by bringing the right technologies and strategies that, that enable things to become more efficient and have the right level of visibility to, to make good decisions on the fly in terms of how to operate an organization. Now, when you are looking at, it's like you, you spoke about culture and you showed the linkage, but if you were to say, if I were to get a prerequisite met for having the best way to exploit analytics and have the culture support it, mm-hmm. what would be the legs to those that stool of culture? What would be the tenets of that organizational culture you would like to see? <laughs> I, I, I almost uh, think of it in a simplistic sense um, where it's there's three legs to the stool and they're all about people and partnerships and relationships. <laughs> Those really are the, are the keys because um, in order to, to achieve what, what needs to be achieved in, in an organization, those are, those are the secrets that um, you, you need people. You, you really do. Um, I can accomplish a, 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 a whole bunch of things and make good progress up to a certain point, but then why why push and, and you know really hurt myself <laughs> to deliver on something by myself when if I engage other people who are passionate, closer to it, have better access to information, and actually have responsibility for it? If I can engage them and we can work together, then it's, it's a whole different scenario. You can start moving at a very different clip. And so, you know, to, to me, I think partnership is key. It, it really is because, you know, sometimes the analytics leadership role emerges from a particular vertical within the business, which is very different than what I'm talking about at this point with regard to having a responsibility at the, at the enterprise level for, for providing this service. Um, because then it really is about being able to manage your time effectively and spread out across the entire set of verticals in the health system, in our case, or in, the organ- in your organization, and figure out what levels you can engage each area. They don't, have, they don't all have the same needs. Some of them may need business in, um, analysis expertise. Some might need assistance um, going through an information security review or they might need assistance with data visualization or, or, or whatever, but different verticals within an organization have different levels of skill and, and talent in those areas. And so the, the real, uh, the groove you want to hit is where you're, you're understanding what those levels are and they understand that you're a resource to them and you're not going to try to overreach. You're, you're here as a support and you're, you're, their success is your, your, your goal. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about the trap that we could fall into when we are going into uh, the analytics, uh, zeal of analytics, if you will. 
we could start over engineering things. We might start looking for things as if like that is the inside nobody would ever find. Uh, and, and we would go and look for those needles in the haystack. And then there are some other very valuable insights, which may be simple, but very valuable patterns we could just ignore or miss. How do you prevent that from happening? On one hand, you want people to really get in the high gear, start thinking in different dimensions, but at the same time, you want to have them not ignore the simple things which are still valuable. How do you get, how do you eat the cake and have it too? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog All. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. So, Chris, what happens, and you are since you're living and you see the ground reality, On one hand, you want people to be extra alert, extra vigilant, at the same time, extra visionaries. And look for those beautiful analytical patterns, which nobody, a normal human being sometimes cannot find. And maybe you would deploy tools to find those things. But there are many other simple things that people start finding them to be boring or they just simply miss. And you cannot afford to do that. How How do you balance these two things? This is, a, this is definitely an area that, that really takes, um, you know, a constant examination of, of, of how things are going. And, you know, one of the ways that I think is really most effective is is to make sure that you're engaging, you know, the, the people that are very, very familiar with the space and you're involving them consistently in, in the analysis that's going on. Um, you know, the, the quality of the picture um, really doesn't mean anything if if it's if it's actually depicting the wrong thing. Um, you know, you can. There's a difference between data and insight and information. Those those things are not all the same. And you know, really helping your team to stay focused on what's the problem that you're trying to solve, and build your solution. And tailor it specifically to to solve that problem, and don't go overboard and over engineer things uh, to where you're distracting from the information that you're trying to present. Uh, I think that that can be a tendency, particularly because again, with this with the technology that's coming out, it's relatively simple for someone who's got you know semi decent skills using uh, like a spreadsheet or something like that to be able to use these tools and produce what looks pretty authentic and useful. And so really staying engaged with the business vertical that you're, that you're working with uh, to produce these things is probably the most critical aspect of it because you need their eyes on it. They know where a lot of the pain points are um, that, that because they, they study this stuff and they have to explain it as, as a matter of um, 
accountability for the function that they work in. And so, you know, staying close to those folks and, you know, really being responsive to the things that they're looking for, for solutions on and just developing a good skill set to ask questions and know what questions you want to ask. Um, one of the things that if you probably have done, um, if you're anything like me, is you've asked questions that the answers were going to demand something that I couldn't deliver. <laughs> and so that's really having to, to really constantly iterate and, and, you know, learn yourself, you know, how do you approach things and not get yourself into a situation where you're not able to, to provide a solution because you essentially put something on the table. It's not logistic, not logistically possible. So, you know, for example, you know, if I ask you if you want a you want a sandwich, you know, ham or turkey, and you say turkey, I'm like we don't we don't have turkey. Well, why'd you give me the bad choice? <laughs> uh, that that's the kind of thing. That's one of the kind of things that you you want to just be aware of, is you know, as you're working on these things and trying to d- design and get to the heart of the issue or problem that, that we're looking to solve for. You really want to make sure that you understand it well. And you want to try to find the way that liberates the information that enables change, enables a decision to be made that's different, or enables um, someone to have a clear understanding of the root cause of something where they can actually take action on it. Um, it's, it's always tempting to make a pretty visualization, but if the answer that you're looking for is a specific number, you want to get to the number. Do you think there could be checks and balances here or it is all seat of the pants as you need? You just look for warning signs and then deal with it. I, I think there are things that, that, that you can do. One of the things that I, I, I am constantly trying to make sure that I pay attention to is um, having really good conversations about you know, what it is that we're doing. Um, I'll also have conversations with my leadership team and try to make sure we're providing guidance and make sure we're spending time one-on-one with each of our team members um, to make sure that we're helping them to grow and develop some of these skills that help them to really understand how to assess something and, and to, to how to how to be able to tell if we're, you're, you're getting the right result. Um, it, sometimes it's even design standards to make sure that things have a consistent look. Uh, but how do you do a smoke test for something that you know you're trying to deliver before you get the business involved and have them see something really glaring? How do you how do you do that kind of thing? Because I think it's an important way for us to teach our our, our analysts um, to to really develop um, a way to provide real value to the company and even within their own organizations by educating them in ways to approach. Doing a, a again, I, I don't know if it's the right term, but I call it a smoke test, meaning that, you know, there's some real basic things that you want to be able to see. And if you can't see them or can't explain them, then those are things you have to attend to. Because when I, when I deliver something, I've got to understand enough about it to articulate it. I have to be able to explain the methodology and the approach that was used. And it's got to have some things that, that are really, um, really basic. I'll give you a concrete example. In the healthcare sector, guarantor balances typically are a result of an adjudication process that finishes with a third-party insurer 
and then it, it results in the, this, this is left over balance that you know then we're, we're expecting a guarantor to pay. Well, if you're looking at collection rates, you know, it's simply saying out of every dollar, we expect to collect X. Um, if our, our collection rates for that guarantor balance are exceeding, let's say, 50% at a, at a given time, if you're doing the, the analytics on that, or you're developing a report or a dashboard that has that information in there, you should have a sense of what the run rate looks like historically so that you know whether that's an outlier and something's wrong or if it's an actual anomaly that you need to look into and prove that it's transactions that have occurred that are that really are causing that number to be what it is. Um, but that's where partnering with the business is so much, brings so much value because you start to be able to get those perspectives as, as a person who's doing analytic development that you can go through that checklist and know that when you hand something over for evaluation in the business, that you've gone through some of those things and you've already tested it for the real obvious anomalies that would indicate there's a, there's a problem with your design or there's a flaw in the data. Now, if you've gone that direction and you've been able to get them to look at simple things as well as stay dreamy and just go all the way and find some you know insights which were fascinating, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you don't want to go around in circles and wait forever and not be able to deliver something quick and small and measurable. One is qualitative, another is time to value. I cannot wait three years to get an insight, which is fascinating, mm-hmm. where my business needs to move forward based on what you can deliver to me today. That's exactly right. I think that's an interesting one because you know we've been going through is probably most are some level of transformation um, to to using agile methodologies. And, you know, one of the things that was really annoying to me is, you know, early on, I had people, you know, trying to essentially teach me the lingo <laughs> and wanting me to communicate to the business using these terms and all of that. And, and that reality is I said, look, what, what the business wants is they want to know when they're getting their stuff. <laughs> they don't want to care about the language that we're using to describe the approach to developing it. They want, they know, they really want to know when they're getting their stuff. And so that's part of the, the up, constant upskilling that, that we, we have to do with our, with our teams and with each individual is to really stay focused on improving our ability to assess the need any kind of need that is presented and we being real, real honest about what's it going to take to deliver and be accurate in those projections. Cause oftentimes the issues come, if we say we're going to have it in two weeks and in two weeks, we're telling them it's, we need, we need two more. Um, you're going to have a constant credibility battle on your hands. And that's just, uh, it's not, it's not going to help anyone doesn't really solve the problems that the organization is trying to solve. So, you know, goes back to that the earlier point about over-engineering things. You, you don't don't over-engineer it. If you want to do some creative things and and wow them, I'm all in favor of that. But at first, but very first thing out of the gate is make sure you deliver on the objective that they've given you, and you communicate early and often. If you start to under, under understand that there are um, nuances to the project that are unfolding as you iterate that you weren't anticipating. Um, if it's, 
you're at the two week mark and you're supposed to have delivered it already. That's not when you start telling them that you might need longer. You engage the business iteratively along the way so that they understand at every step what's happening. And that communication is bi-directional because you need their guidance and input as you're iterating and say, look, we've done some profiling on this data and, and some assumptions that we, we made together don't seem to be playing out. And here's where those things are. And so again, it's, it's really that partnership and not losing sight that, 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 that that's a bi-directional relationship you have to really maintain and support. One last question for you, Chris. Since analytics leadership is, I mean, the, the discipline of analytics is not very new, but it has morphed quite a bit. And the new flavor of how analytics has to be run and what a chief analytics officer is supposed to deliver, that is new and different, and it's morphing. Right. So what would you say should be the leadership mindset and the style one should develop, not it is imposed on them or they are self-imposing it, but what should be the natural DNA of uh, a leader in analytics, which would make them effective? I think understanding that your best opportunities for success is based on how many people that you can make successful uh, in your in your organization. Um, I might actually have a great understanding of revenue cycle operations because of a previous role that I, that I held. Um, but in this organization, that's not my area of responsibility. So if there's a, a complex uh, question that's being posed that we need to help solve for, uh, my job is not to solve it. It's to facilitate the conversation with the business experts to help them come to the conclusion that, that they need to reach so that they can make the changes in the business. And where that can go wrong is if you don't take those steps and you deliver the information, um, you might be right or you might be wrong, but you now have created a real barrier to good partnership with a part of an important leader in your business. And that's, that's always something just to be leery of. Um, you, you, you really need uh, as many people pulling together as, as you can get pulling together and the, it, it's, it is the job. My job is not to solve everyone's problem, but it's to, to engage in a way that I can help to enable all of our resources to be brought to bear to solve as many of the issues as we can. Um, you know, there, we've, we've talked a little bit about multiple verticals in, in organizations. All of them have to monitor and measure performance in, in each of their own areas. And so, you know, to think that I can somehow, you know, bring all that under one umbrella and, and put on a Superman cape, um, that's very misguided and will render me ineffective, you probably very quickly. And I think that's probably the case in most organizations. Once again, uh, thank you so much, Chris, for sharing your insights and thoughts about how someone can become an effective analytics leader and what's their DNA, how do they work with the management, how do they get their team all charged up, and how do they get everyone to rally around that one common vision to make analytics really becoming a catalyst to what business growth can be. Thanks once again. It's been our pleasure. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed it. Got some nuggets. Please connect with us on our social media. Subscribe to our podcast. And once again, thank you so much for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All. Till next week, take care and God bless. 
Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.